Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. Check out this fresh episode today and decide, are you results-oriented or father-oriented? It's an important question for the days in which we're living, and I pray that it provokes you deeper with Him and maybe to connect more with me. Love you all. Hey, everybody. Here is something to think about today while we are in the midst of so many uh, unusual situations. If God told you to run for office, would you automatically assume that that means you're going to win. Now, I want you to think about this. I've been giving a lot of thought to this lately. Someone recently reminded me that I had said this somewhere at some point to them a few years back, but I hadn't thought about it myself in a while. So once they reminded me of it, it has uh, prompted me uh, to think about this. Because what it's really... Uh, directing us towards is are we results-oriented or father-oriented? Let me ask that again. Are you results-oriented or father-oriented? You see, years ago, uh, God had my husband run for a city election in the town where we live. Uh, Ultimately, he ran three times and won once. And in the midst of that entire multi-year process, uh, we learned so much. We were challenged on so many levels. And we learned that just because God says to run doesn't mean that you're going to win. Now, he did uh, on one occasion, but on the other two, Uh, it was not a a clear win for him. So we learned that we had to be those who were going to obey God, not just for what we assumed would be the outcome. And so many times people then begin to question, did I even hear God? You know, he told me to run, but then I didn't win. So they begin to doubt whether they heard God or not, or they come up with all kinds of explanations to, um, you know, to explain why the results don't look like winner results. And this was such a profound thing for uh, us to learn and has uh, encouraged us and helped us many times along the way. But this specific way of looking at it was just brought to my remembrance, as I said, just recently. And so it's got me to thinking about the circumstances that we're in. Uh, We look at the crises that are going on around the world. And trust me, there are more crises going on than just in the Ukraine. Uh, There are things that we may even be uh, distracted from right now. There can be personal crisis. There can be national crisis, international crisis. There can be things that have gone on in other nations that didn't get our attention quite like they are right now. 
and I certainly believe this needs our attention. It's had my attention uh, for about seven years uh, because I've been in Poland for the last seven years. And I have known all along that I wasn't going there to prepare people to have better church services. I was going there to prepare the church for the coming days of um, you know great glory and great trouble. And I just want to stop and say that where I heard that combination of words crafted quite like that, we are in days of great glory and great trouble, came from uh, a teacher that I was highly influenced by named Alan Vincent. He has gone to be with the Lord now. Uh, Just like in my book, there's a chapter that's called uh, Fresh Move, Fresh Loyalty. And that's because I learned from Alan that with every fresh move of God, it's going to require fresh loyalty. And I've thought lately that maybe I'm not giving enough credit where credit is due because it's become such a part of my thinking and I'm passing it on that sometimes I may fail to say this is where I learned this, why I had to learn this, and from whom I learned this. Because we're all hopefully carrying some kind of baton from the generations that have gone before us, and hopefully we are passing it on to those in our generation who will then affect generations to come. And I'm not just talking generations of age, I'm talking about generations of the time in which we actually live right now. And so I'm so grateful to those that went before me and that taught me that obeying the Father and staying in line with Him and completing my course and running my race and and uh, being faithful, uh, having fidelity to my assignment, how important that was. And that it was necessary no matter what the results might look like in the exact moment. So I ask you again, are you results-oriented Or are you father-oriented? Are you going to do as he is directing you, no matter what the results may look like? Because there are times when he's making you, not just results. He's crafting you. He is curating who he made you to be uh, in real time. And he's um, harnessing the life experiences that we're in, the things that we're moving through, to form and shape us within. You see, David said, I was conceived in sin and shaped by iniquity, the unique way that sin may have shown up in his house and his family line brought great shaping to that nature that he inherited from Adam. Well, let's just flip that. And let me say very strongly that uh, it is fully the plan of God now that we have been born again and conceived in righteousness, conceived in his nature, conceived by his life, we share in his life, his nature, his mind, and now it is time that that uh, life, that that nature within us becomes shaped and formed and fashioned and find expression even more so than the shaping that came to us through life to the sin nature, to the self, that is there not even more? Because wherever sin uh, is, grace all the more. The, the life of God, the ability of God to shape his sons right now, that we're going to run our race and we're going to be obedient. We're going to go where he says and do what he 
says to do, speak what he says to speak, and be to our generation who he's meant for us to be, no matter what the results might look like to people. Because if we're totally results-oriented, we're not going to do anything that appears like a failure. We're not going to do anything, not have an event, not, not book in somebody to come and speak prophetically in the hour in which we're in. We're not going to do anything if we think it's not going to look totally, you know, stellar, totally wonderful. Ah, oh, you have a school and you have five producers. Yes. Yes, because from what he has taught me, it is not the quantity of people that I have. It's the quality. And then are they actually being shaped for the assignment in which this hour is calling for? And have they come to the point that they're not after what looks successful, that looks pleasing to the human eye? I mean, come on. Jesus' most successful day, he hung naked outside of town, spit upon, ridiculed, mocked. But he did save the world. You, you may have heard me even share this, that one day I was feeling horribly shamed. This was a few years ago. And, and I mean, I felt like a 500-pound gorilla, you know, in a china shop, you know. And, and you know what I mean? Just when shame gets a hold of you and you're just like, I'm the dregs of the earth. I am this. I am funky. You know, okay, come on now. Let's be real. Okay. And Jesus literally as though he were, and he was present, but it was as though he leaned over my shoulder and said, Nancy, what would you do if your father wrote down for the whole world to read that you weren't much to look at? I was like, what? I took a double take, you know? He goes, yeah, and then I heard him laugh, and he, we were, and he said, yeah, my father wrote down in the scripture for everyone to read. He wasn't much to look at, and it dawned on me in that moment as he spoke to me, and he opened up a whole new realm to me, that how I look isn't going to be what accomplishes the will of the Father. Because then Jesus leaned in even closer. He said, yeah, I wasn't much to look at, but I did save the world. <laughs> and you begin to realize, wow, we've made Christianity, we make Jesus look like the biggest hunk ever. And I really appreciate Jim Caviezel in the way he um, portrayed Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. But come on. I mean, goodness. And then paintings that we have. And, you know, he's like this got chiseled features and... You know, everything looks wonderful. And today, if we were not careful, we would think Christianity is like as long as it produces a great sound bite and you look really awesome and you look hip and cool and relevant and worship looks like this and, and it's all so dreamy. People, we are not being prepared for a dreamy worship service. We are not being prepared for, you know, looking 10 pounds lighter on film we are not looking to have the best lighting. My friends, we are looking to be real and relevant living letters where the aroma, the smell of Jesus, right, is known to those who are living and dying, the word says. I don't make myself smell like that. It's the fragrance of him, and it's the fragrant aroma of the knowledge of God. It's not I walk by and they go, ooh, wow, did you, did you notice how good Nancy smells? Okay, it's not about that. 
Do you understand what we are actually being prepared for? It might be to be on a train full of refugees. It might be to be working nonstop like the guys that I just did a Zoom with in Poland. Uh, One of them was on a train with refugees. One of them had just come back in and just had a few minutes in his flat uh, because they are working night and day. Others have Ukrainians in their homes. Um, and we're still planning school and this and that and all kind of things going on. And do you understand now, again, we, we can't live just from crisis to crisis. This just happens to be where they are right now. Cause I'm sitting in my very comfortable, you know, office in Texas right now, doing what I'm given to do on this particular day at this particular moment. And I don't feel guilty that I'm not there. I might be a little envious that I'm not there, but I will be come March 30th. I will land in Poland and be there for five weeks and do as God has given me to do. But at this moment, I'm sitting in Texas doing what I'm supposed to do, right? I can't feel guilty about I'm not supposed to be there yet. I'm supposed to be there later. So do you understand how many things can move us outwardly and inwardly if we're not careful? But are we moved by him? Do we know him well enough, not as well as we're going to, but well enough that we can flow with him wherever we are, right? Wherever we are, does he need me to be, you know, with today and and full today, and maybe in a few weeks without. And, and uh, you know, Paul said, I've learned, you know, the secret of being content whether I have or have not. Some people think you got to have to show how blessed and anointed you are. Others may be in the camp that thinks you got to be poor to be holy. But ultimately, the issue is, are we moving with him? And are we willing to move with him? whether we have or have not, whether we can see results or we don't, whether we win the race, win the election or not, are you only willing to engage in those things where you have a guaranteed outcome, a guaranteed win, a guaranteed look of success according to who? Are you only willing to go with him when it makes sense to you? Are you only willing to stay, walk, sit, stand, run, whatever the case may be, again, if it's going to have a certain outcome? I'm suggesting to you that this is the hour that we're in, is we must let him develop us according to the life of Jesus inside of us. My friends, there is no other life, no other nature that is going to be able to actually live and function in oneness with him and be able to fulfill the assignment, to be able to say, Father, I know you love me, but because you've loved me so well, it's matured the life of Jesus in me, and I find myself saying, Father, I want to be useful to you in this hour of history. I want to be useful, pliable. I don't want you to have to be overly concerned with me in the sense that I'm so prickly and sensitive and can only handle things I'm comfortable with. I don't want your reach and influence through me to be limited. 
I don't have to look successful. I simply want to be with you, and I want to be useful, whether I win the election or not. You see, my friends, I'm living in that attitude today because it's been developed in me through real circumstances over the years. Those situations had to be harnessed. Now, there was a time when I'm like, God, why are we running if we're not winning? (laughs) Can you relate to what I'm telling you? But he had to begin to speak to me. The same way Jesus reached over my shoulder that day and said, what do you think about the fact that my father wrote down I wasn't much to look at? Are you willing to not be much to look at, Nancy? Are you willing? And he's brought me to the place where by his very life in me, I am willing. I'm not required to be excited about it all. I simply know that I have a love for the father that comes from the love of the Father in me. The same way he raised Jesus from a baby to a man is the same way he's raising us. We call it discipleship here at Nancy McCready Ministries, and it's sonship, and we're in desperate need of it everywhere that a door can open. So think about this today. I love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccready.com or follow her on social media at nbmccready.